Welcome back from our last Halloween episode. I am opening this episode with a nice article about a man in California who is suing his psychic for $25,000 after she claimed that she could remove a witch's curse from his marriage. He went to the psychic because he was unhappy and she told him that it was because his ex-girlfriend had hired a witch to put a hex on his marriage. So she promised that he would be happy again if he paid her $5,100 to exercise the spell that was put on him by a witch. That's a fairly specific number. I would believe her. It is. Like, you know that she's done a cost analysis of how this works. So she's experienced, at least. Not only that, but he says that he's entitled to this because she calls herself a psychic love specialist. Are there any hyphens in that? No hyphens. And she builds herself as a PhD life coach and a psychic love coach. (laughs) He believed her. He was convinced. Is this a love coach that's psychic or somebody who coaches psychic love? Psychic love specialist. Okay, so it is psychic love. Yeah. Psychic love coach. No, she is a psychic who coaches love. Okay. Is that what you said? That's one of the options, yes. Yeah. So he's suing her for $25,000 in damages because he sought out her help after being unhappy, to which she said, like I said earlier here, that there was a curse put on him by a witch hired by his ex-girlfriend. So she says that she can remove that, to which she said, and I don't know, it says something about he paid an initial $1,000, so I don't think he paid the whole $5,100. But his life did not improve, he still couldn't sleep, he was still unhappy, to which he sued her. I actually am quite sad that he sued for damages and not specific performance because I would love to see. Did he receive bad legal advice? Well, he might have. I would love to see a judge order a psychic to remove a curse from a witch. That would be fantastic. That would be good. Because right now he's just saying that I want damages for you not performing, not that I want. Do you have to go to a psychic judge though? And that really is the question: Is it a judge that is psychic, or Mm. a judge that presides over psychic affairs? Neither one would be good, I think. In this, both would be interesting. I'm just curious: Why don't these people use hyphens more? It is very necessary. Or clarity? Yes. Psychic love coach can be many different things. Yes. In fact, two. It's caused two a lot of confusion in the last which. five minutes. <laughs> so it goes on to say the suit also names the person who paid to take the curse off. I don't want to put his name. It's in the article, but I don't want to say it. Also names It also names the psychic's husband, daughter, and landlords. Oh, interesting. A plot thing. It doesn't say why. Well, the psychic would know why. That's why I was confused. So he suffered sleepless nights, anxiety, and anguish as a result of the yeah. non-removal of the curse. Yeah, part of it might just be proximity to the claim. When you suffer damages, you sue everybody. The other part of it could be that she holds a corporation and that everybody named is some sort of stakeholder mm. in that corporation. Kids. But those are just me speculating and not actual reasons as to why. Yeah, it's always good to speculate a little. Yes, but yeah. and had Texas had a law that Canada used to have in our Canadian Criminal Code, they might have been able to thwart this early on. Uh, Section 365 of the old Canadian Criminal Code, pretending to practice witchcraft. Tending. Oh, we can't do that in Canada? So You, you can, can only do real witchcraft. You can only do witchcraft, which is most crimes get broken down to this. There's the actus reus, the guilty action, and then there's the mens rea, the guilty mind. 
And there are some crimes where it's just doing the action makes you guilty of the crime, like manslaughter. Doesn't matter if you intended to do it or not. If you kill somebody, it's manslaughter. Yeah, I would agree um, with that. But there's things like murder where you have to actually have in your mind that you're going to commit this action and do the action to be guilty of it. Oh. Now, with pretending to practice witchcraft, which is no longer in the Canada Criminal Code, I can't quite remember the year. It's quite sad. It was Section 365 of the Act. At least five years ago, it was there, as far as I can remember. I haven't studied it in years, so unfortunately, I can't remember. Witchcraft? No, Canadian Criminal Code, which hmm. is a form of witchcraft. It's where people who pay a lot of money in school can use magic words that make them a lot of money per hour. Yeah. Anyhow, Canada Criminal Code, Section 365, Pretending to Practice Witchcraft, says that it is illegal to pretend to practice witchcraft, which means if you are undergoing the affairs of a psychic for the sole purposes of defrauding people of their money, it is an illegal act. But if you truly believe either you are psychic or you are practicing some form of witchcraft, like tarot cards, you are not breaking the law. How do you prove that? It is very hard, but it has been done. I could and do an why would they on specifically it. say witchcraft and not fake psychics or something? Basically because it all would have been brandished or fallen under the umbrella of witchcraft when it was drafted. Oh, it's very yeah. old, it sounds like. Yeah, well, the entire code is old. Kind of like there used to be a section in the act, it might still be there where it's like, well, it wouldn't be under the same thing, but it was punishable by death to just untie a boat and let it float down a river. You can do that now? No, you can't. Still illegal. Oh, you still can't. Um, just okay. probably not punishable by death. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. I focused on the wrong part of that. Yes. Actually, I did write at one point a fairly extensive email to stuff that will blow your mind about Section 365 of the Canada Criminal Code and like actions that may or may not have been taken under it back in the day. It was a I did some research into it. We could do an episode on it just for fun, but it's it's ancient past, unfortunately, in Canada. Why don't we just read your email? You sent them. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, not right that's now. Your, that's your brainchild. <laughs> it is. They've already used it, though. Really? Oh, yeah, they read it on the episode. I was quite proud. But any word on when this action will take place in the Texas courts? No, California. Right. California, no. sorry. I said Texas earlier, too. I didn't catch that. No, that's about the extent of that article. Okay, well, <laughs> stay tuned for some psychic. No, I don't know where to put the hyphen. Now I understand why they had the problem. Some legal action with regards to psychics. Yeah, and hyphens. And hyphens. At least not legal, <laughs> just some pettiness on my part. Anyhow, let's get into the spooky cues and prepare to be haunted in three, two, one. Go. From the unexplained to the mundane, join us on our journey to the fringe. things then you just attack me right now so some of you are still human this thing doesn't want to show itself it wants to hide inside an imitation it'll fight if it has to but it's vulnerable out in the open if it takes us over then it has no more enemies nobody left to kill it <laughs> <laughs> 
and then it's one. Hello, and welcome to Journey to the Fringe. Now we are getting closer to a thin veil between the worlds, to a time when children become emboldened to anonymize themselves with clothing and make veiled threats to adults at their doorsteps regarding property damage in exchange for bribery. Of course, it's we were talking about- the only acceptable time of year. And the only acceptable place in the world to just go to somebody's door and threaten to damage their property if you do not True. give them a sufficient amount of candy. True. Now, of course, we were talking about the shortly coming Halloween. With this, we've decided to at least talk about uh, some of my favorite type of movies are the old creature features that there are where they focus on one big, bad, scary monster. They're usually one-off movies. They're great. Surprisingly enough, there's a lot of them that are almost inspired by worldly figures. Really, you can go anywhere and you will hear the lore of the local cryptid that, although no one's ever seen, is fully well-known in the metasphere that is that world. So today, we're going to talk about two (laughs) cryptids or urban legends, probably more the more common way to describe these from different spots and suspend reality for a while as we talk about their scary and likely mythical backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Chelsea, do you want to go first or do you want to listen first? I can go first. Okay. I don't know if mine is so much like an urban legend or anything. I am doing hat man. Oh, good. (laughs) Related to the smiling man. Funny enough. Yeah. I just went with the spookiest thing I could think of. And this guy gives me the creeps because it's Halloween and, That's what we need right now. So hopefully it comes across in the episode. Before I get into the hat man, I just wanted to set the stage with shadow people because he may or may not be closely related to shadow people. I'm not really sure without going into too much detail about shadow people because we will more than likely be doing another episode on shadow people or a episode on shadow people. They got briefly mentioned in spooky lingo. Okay, good. I was going to make sure, but we probably left them out for a reason that we wanted to do a full episode on them. Shadow people, as well as Hatman, which I'll get into after this, they basically show up all over the world. They cross languages, cultures, countries, and may or may not be experienced in relation to sleep paralysis. They can and cannot be there, may not be there. The most basic definition I can give you is the perception of a shadow of a humanoid-like figure. However, not always because it can also appear as a black mass. So obviously, these are supernatural entities, which are interpreted as some sort of presence or spirit and also are reminiscent of beings in folklore, such as jinn. Sometimes they appear as shadows and stuff like that, where they're like in between realities and stuff like that. And shadow people are more than likely to be seen in your peripheral vision. Peripheral. word. Peripheral. Peripheral. Yeah, that's what I said, I think. (laughs) Oh, good. Sometimes they have a reaction to humans in their surroundings, and sometimes they don't. And unlike ghosts, shadow people are mostly not going to have any defining facial features or much about them, like clothing or anything like that. Except, of course. A hat, sometimes. I don't know if he's a shadow person. I'll let you be the judge of it after. And that's why I kind of don't get... I've seen that a lot, that Hatman is related to the shadow people. Yeah, I think because he he shows himself as a shadow 
shadow, but I'm going to get into him. And okay. it's just like, yeah, some believe shadow people are evil as they can be menacing and have attempted to jump at people or hold people down and choke them during bouts of sleep paralysis. That being said, obviously, they appear to be intelligent and move naturally quickly. And plus, they're in your peripheral vision. So they just like dart around over there, I guess. Other explanations include aliens, extra dimensional, extra dimensional inhabitants. I'm having troubles today. I always have troubles. And another <laughs> universe existing closely to our own or a glimpse into another dimension. Yeah, like I've said too, my my favorite explanation is that it's the shadow of a fourth dimensional being. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of things with dreams and shadow people too, with sleep paralysis and stuff like that. I'm a dreamer. One day we'll do an episode on dreams. I do believe I've seen shadow people in my dreams. I just want to share this really quickly. I had a dream and I remember it so vividly. When we lived back in the house we grew up on. I had a dream that it was our house, but it was set on a different corner of the property that we were on. And it was only a one-story house. We grew up in a two-story house. So it was the same house, but it was different. And I was in the house and it was inhabited by shadow people. And it was so vivid. I just thought it's always stayed with me that dream. I thought it was pretty cool. It was like I was in like another dimension or something like that. And I think it's funny because they're tied with sleep. But yeah, that's my experience. It probably was nothing because I just dream like that. So there's also hooded shadow people, which I'm not even going to touch on. I really didn't know they were a thing. Did you know that? I did they're not like, know. They're not monks. They're like people in cloaks. Yeah, it's almost like the satanic panic kind of style. I've never heard of them, but they came up a lot, and I'm literally just going to leave it at that. It comes up a lot when you look at satanic panic or animal mutilations, the like hooded okay. figures that sometimes they carry torches, sometimes they don't. But It's um, funny because it literally didn't come up in our research for cattle mutilations. It did. it did for me. Did it? Yeah. Why didn't we talk about it? We did. For those that are disputing I'm this, have to go I'm going right to listen to that. Go back episode. and listen to the episode. Or I do. Also, it did just come up in our haunted forest episode. So, yes. I guess I just have a bad memory. Although those were druids. So, yeah. I guess I just have a really bad <laughs> and memory. And they were just trying to take back McDuck Castle. Yeah. They really were. You can't blame them. They're not spooky in that matter. So, that's shadow people, which is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> So ignore that. Now I talk about Hatman. As with Shadow People, Hatman has consistently shown up across the world in even different time periods. Hatman is an entity which I would say falls into the category of Shadow Person. However, he is a little bit more recognizable where you see Shadow People who have no facial features or you don't see clothes on them. Hatman typically will have a like brimmed hat. So that can be anything from a top hat or a fedora, like a detective hat or even a gaucho hat, which is like I had to Google this because people called it Isn't cowboy it hats. People said it was like cowboy hats, but it's like the cowboy hat from like the John Wayne movies where he's like shoot doing the shootouts, not like oh, a cowboy yeah, hat. It's, I would almost call it like a preacher hat. I guess you could call it that. Yeah. It's, um, or an Amish hat. I was thinking right? of like the shooting Western movies. So there is no hat yeah. woman per Close se. Close to an Amish hat. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Audience. 
There's no woman hat man, hat woman, that has really been reported as he's consistently reported with male-defying characteristics, even though he typically doesn't have characteristics. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes the only discernible trait, like I just said, other than a shadowy human-like figure, and other times the outline of a cape or a trench coat has been made out as well. He's also been spotting holding a cane with a gold top. And there had been, once I started reading reports that people had, there's a lot of reports of people seeing him smoking, which I don't know that that's typical that you see that in research that people put out when they're talking about Hatman. There's even been sightings of him having glowing red eyes. Hatman will fade away, disappear, or just walk away. And it's the walking away part that sets him apart from shadow people because shadow people just kind of run around and disappear in your peripheral vision. And Hatman is known to stand straight in front of you and either use a door and walk or float away. He's also very tall. At the minimum, he's six feet, even up to eight to 10 feet, crouching to stand in a regular sized room. I think that's probably the male defying characteristics that he's very big and imposing, where you don't really well, and see. And he's got a cape. You never see women wear capes. You don't. Now that I think about it, why? Something's got to change with that. The first actual discussion of Hatman appears to be on Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell in April 2001, which really opened the dialogue for those experiencing the same entity and popularized it, kind of as popular as it is, which is kind of. Art was interviewing <laughs> a Native American <laughs> elder, Thunderstrikes, known as Harley Swift Deer Regan, Reagan, who implied that shadow people were medicine men who walked in the spirit world and did harm to the living. And during this show, Art encouraged listeners to submit drawings. I could not, for the life of me, find these drawings. I don't know. Maybe we can ask for our own drawings if you've seen a shadow person. I believe people who are not artistic in nature could probably submit one. And it'd probably be pretty yeah, spot on. Yeah, it's a shadow. Come yeah. on. You guys or can do blob, it. I believe in it. black. Yeah. Sometimes there's a hat. Hat man is supposed to be mostly not good. And almost everyone who encounters hat man get the feeling of terror and evil. And he reportedly feeds off fear and negative events and bad mental health. There have been sightings of hat man. And I wish I could remember in all my searching through stories. I really wanted to share this as an example. I could not find this again. But I'm going to kind of relay it as good as I could. There is an experiencer that started to see Hatman when she had entered into a relationship with someone. And the sightings continued until the relationship ended. And so the experiencer, she was either abused by the partner or after the relationship ended, she had found out some very disturbing things about the partner to which she stopped seeing Hatman as soon as that relationship ended. And I really wish I could remember where so that I could relay the, the right so information. So it was kind of, it was related to the person. It was related to the person. Yeah, they never saw the hat men again once the relationship ended. And I just thought it was an interesting example of what I just said, of him kind of just feeding off or showing up in bad situations or around people who kind of are not very good people. There are also others who report seeing him over a whole lifetime seeing him occasionally as a child. There's a lot of reportings of people seeing him as a child to which they have nothing bad associated with him. 
And when the same individual may be going through a particularly hard time, such as an illness or death, traumatic event, is when the hat man will show up again, this time giving them very negative feelings when he shows up. Whereas a child, they just kind of, he brought them comfort and he wasn't very menacing as a child. It's really interesting. So this is very typical of hat man is showing up before, during, or after traumatic events, sickness, or the death of somebody close to them. I just want to make sure it could literally just be a shadow person who has put on a hat. It could. They could have just found a nice accessory. Yes. However, it seems to be you don't see anything. Well, what else could you wear? A cane. That, yeah. cape. Yeah. Why is it not cape man or cane man? Are shadow people not seen separately with just a cape or a cane? Do they only accessorize if they decide to wear a hat? I think if you're asking the question now, what else could you have that would be so defining? Oh, a dress. I Don't guess. have separate legs. Peg oh, leg. What do you call them? A parrot. Um, no. A pirate. No. Pirates. The, the things that hang from the arms. Tassels. Tassels on the arms. Oh my god. You can like diamond earrings. Accessorize a shadow. Yeah. Oh, you could. Bottle of wine. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we accessorize so, at this show. And like it's like any style of hat. So it's funny because people kind of um <gasps> Devil horns. Oh my God. I can't believe you just said that. (laughs) Would that be a hat man? Okay. Can I just say an aside here? On our drive home this weekend, there is a car (laughs) with bike racks on the top of the car. (laughs) And literally each of us separately, I don't know that we were all listening to each other. Each separately one, I thought that was a moose. (laughs) It looked like the car had antlers. And all of us commented on it. Anyhow. That was a car of four for those wondering. (laughs) It could have been. (laughs) Yeah. And we all said it separately. And I guess none of us listened to each other. I I think cumulatively in the car, one of you has seen a moose. Yeah. We just thought that car had antlers. Not that it was an actual moose. Just that the car had big antlers on it. Back to hat man. I guess really it just depends what hat the shadow person feels like accessorizing with that day. Yeah, but at the same time too, there's certain hats that wouldn't show up for a hat man. Like say he wants to wear a baseball cap backwards. <gasps> um, or I don't feel like a beret would process very well. well I was going to say a yarmulke, which is a religious hat. Yeah, so no, you would not it, see that. But you would not see that in a hat man. Uh, no. Sorry, a shadow person's wearing. You would not... There's some nice hats out there, though, that you don't really see him with. So that's the hat portion. There's also the, like, feeling of doom that he brings. I gotta sing the doom song now! Doom, 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 doom! Other sightings include the entity watching from a doorway, closet, or corner of the room. Watching through a mirror is also a popular one. People think that it seems like there's a reason he can't look directly. There's something with the mirror. Or hovering over someone sleeping and will linger longer than typical shadow people will. Shadow people just kind of run around. And he actually will stand there and watch. It's kind of reverse vampire style where a vampire can't be seen in a mirror. Sometimes shadow persons can only be seen in the mirror. Okay. It's not that they can only be seen in the mirror. It's that he will stand and watch the person through the mirror. How can you tell where the shadow person's looking? 
That wasn't clear to me, but people can always tell that he's watching them. He okay. could be standing there with his eyes closed, by all I know. But they just feel eyes. You know the feeling of being watched, I guess. But either way, do you not like do you get the feeling of being watched through a mirror versus being watched? I would say you probably do. I've I can't say I've experienced it. Have you? I, I don't want to. I'm going to make it clear right now. I am inviting nothing. I can't say that I know the distinct difference between the feeling of being watched versus being watched through a mirror. But maybe I it would is. Probably a very feel it, it might be lighter through a mirror, but I don't know. I maybe mean, it's this more is more self-reflective. This is a bad guy. So maybe it's just the same. There is speculation as to why there's so many sightings of him watching like through a mirror. I mean, it wasn't great speculation. It was just asking why he's watching through a mirror. The hat man also <laughs> lingers longer than typical shadow people. Mostly he just watches and he's also closely associated with sleep paralysis. Since he has been reported as one of the entities that is spotted when someone awakes and is unable to move, only to see the hat man hovering over top of them. It can also be accompanied by the feeling of suffocating like someone is on your chest. So he's closely associated with sleep paralysis as well. There's a lot of encounters that happen with hat man at night, either as you're falling asleep, you're awoken from a dead sleep, and the witching hour, which is 3 a.m., that being said, he's also spotted quite frequently during the day as well. And arguments for Hatman would be why he's spotted all over the world pretty much at all times of the day and why so many experience the same thing. Sometimes he's just accessorized different. I did come across one very interesting theory for Hatman, and I wouldn't normally include this, but the weirder a theory is, the more I want to include it. While there are theories of the usual interdimensional being, alien sleep paralysis and just your body waking up before you can like move really and then it's just your mind playing tricks on you isn't that it yeah the old hague syndrome yeah demon etc so there is a theory of astral projection and either that this is some sort of program of watchers who travel forward in time or that this is how those that are potentially astral projecting would appear. And I found this kind of interesting. And more specifically to my thought above is a YouTuber who's a medium. And she's the only one that goes into detail like this. But I thought it was kind of cool. And she does different videos and she recounts an experience of seeing Hatman. And she was able to see where he came from and remote viewed him to where he came from. And where she remote viewed him from was from an earlier time. Like he had traveled forward in time. So she went back and remote viewed him in a room that looked like it was in the time frame of the 50s or 60s. And on the table, she saw a folder that said watchers. She got the impression that it was a program of some sort. Uh, you know, and the great prophet Stan Lee foretold of the watchers. Yes, he did. I saw the movie. <laughs> so yeah, just for a, a, a different point of view, I thought that was interesting. I always enjoy different theories like that. What do you think? What are your thoughts? It's always really hard with shadow people in general, and I don't want to do an overgeneralization of 
shadow people at this point because we'll definitely do a, sh a shadow mm -hmm. person episode in the future. But I find it very hard to also differentiate him from shadow people because people give such vague descriptions when they actually do give descriptions. It's true. As I was going through this and I was asking questions, there is, and I would probably do this myself if I was to explain an experience. You don't typically go into as much detail as you really should. Like you asked, how do you know that if it's a shadow person, you can't see any facial features? How do you know that it's looking at you? Well, yeah, and especially- Nothing actually when, says why. When these people are witnessing either shadow people or the hat man, they generally experience either great dread or impending doom, like the feeling of these things. Yes. Generally, when that hits, it's very hard to give a in-depth description of anything. You're not really taking detail of something's face or of um, anything particular about the character, other than the fact that he wore a hat. True. True. So I kind of get that. But at the same time, there's just not enough information here in my mind to really warrant any particular subgroup. Yeah. Well, I essentially, it's a hat. And that's my general feeling is the hat. It seems like a unique person. And looking through all of this and all the threads and stuff like that, they do think that they're multiple entities, not just one, because they have different hats. And they show up at like different times of the day and stuff like that. But yeah, I do have a few stories to share. So I did take some from Reddit. Okay, nice. I do source where I got this. Some of them were deleted. So I'm going to note them as much as I can. Now, like I said, I am taking one-offs. These are not ones that are consistently reported. I like to take ones that are unique, that I don't know, I just find them freakier. So yeah, these are other people's experiences. Quotations, this is from user Gromy, please, on Reddit. He says, in my experience, I have only witnessed the being, the, in brackets, once. As surreal as this memory is, I can't convince myself to believe it was conscious or unconscious due to what the fuck I saw. I was five or six. It was around 8 a.m. on a weekend. Lots of these are kids and they just remember the experience. It just stays with them. That was my aside. He didn't write that. So he was five or six. It was around 8 a.m. on a weekend and I was getting up before all the family. I hopped out of my bed on the main floor and headed for the basement stairs to get down there and play video games. Of course, I whipped the corner to the top of the stairs facing down and fuck me, guys. There was four or five solid black silhouettes in trench coats and top hats in a semicircle facing me just standing there at the bottom of the stairs. I remember them having no face, no red eyes, no canes and they said nothing. I froze and just stared for about five seconds and blacked out. But it got fucking worse, guys. I literally woke up at the bottom of the stairs, ran back up into my bed and fell asleep. That is the last memory of that experience. That is what really fucks with my head, and this is why I don't talk about it and can't convince myself I was unconscious during that goddamn experience. User grow me, please. Another one, Workday with Hatman. So this is from user deleted. I'm pretty sure it was deleted, and that's not his username. Yeah, that one would have been taken a while ago. Yeah, he says, I don't know if it did. When was this posted? Can't remember. I could go back in the notes or in my sources. I was a manager at Phantom Fireworks. Ironic, I know. And I was the only one there at the time. Because it's a fireworks store, we had to take each customer's ID before they can shop the store. We have a bell alarm at the door that alerts the store when someone comes in so no one can come in and burn the place down or something. 
The bell never went off, but I swear I see a man walk by. So I follow to get his ID, but he's nowhere to be found. I'm thinking, shit, he must have gone back to the warehouse. I know I saw someone. So I go to check to see if you're getting robbed or something, but it's this giant entity in an old-time trench coat and hat. Super tall, hands in pockets, no facial features, but definitely staring at me. I passed the room he was in and locked myself in the bathroom right next to it for a few minutes. I came back out and the thing was gone. Saw him a few months later too, but at this time it was accompanied by sleep paralysis and he brought a hag along to sit on my chest and strangle me as he watched in the doorway. Appears he can show up day or night. End of that story. The reason I included that one is because I found it very interesting that the experience included an old hag with him watching. Wow. Yeah, that's terrifying. And specifically, so it, it followed, experiences it followed, two separate. Yeah. yeah, it followed the daytime event. It wasn't the other yeah. way around. Yeah. So that one is loaded. So I saw that one and I had to include that one. I have two more stories. Sorry. This one's titled Hatman Never Came Back by user... I love Alien 751. I have seen Hatman many times in my life starting as young as five years old. I'm 45 now. It has always been during sleep paralysis and it had always been a side profile where I could clearly see the shape of his face. A long pointy nose and a black silhouette except for the white eyes and teeth. At first I was scared to death at him, but the last time I saw him, which is about 15 years ago, I just somehow knew that I had no reason to fear him. I was still scared, but I was only scared of the paralysis, not him. Seeing him actually kind of calmed me down. He gave me a peaceful feeling. He was smiling at me that time, where before he never smiled. It lasted much longer than it ever had. Usually it was like 30 seconds to a minute, but that time it was probably five full minutes. I never saw him again after that. I still have sleep paralysis, but there's nobody there now. I look for him every time. I know this sounds weird, but I kind of miss the guy. And I just wonder why I had such a different feeling that time. Then he just left me alone. Is it strange that I want to see him? Maybe it's because he gave me that peaceful feeling. So I associated him with calming me during deep and intense fear. I really wanted to include this one for obvious reasons because it's such a contrast to what I just talked about. And especially comparing it to what people say when they have UFO encounters or alien encounters, hmm. the, the ability to control your emotions is just yeah. so evident here. Yeah. What my next story is, in this post, there were many comments saying that they felt the same way about him too, that they were comforted by him and he seemed to stand guard or other users that say that they missed him and looked for him. And that's the thing that I found some people that were kids really were terrified of him as a kid and it was accompanied by really bad things. But other kids say that they feel like he stands guard of them over kids and then he shows up later in life and it's during bad events or or something like that to which he's terrifying this is my last thing I'm gonna share a comment on the experience that I just shared with you which is user April baby nine I get what you mean I hadn't seen him in almost six years I started to miss him too looking in every dark corner wondering and just like that I conjured him back to me this last time taller than ever he showed me his face in a dream for the very first time Things are different this time around. I wish that I hadn't missed him, but I think that's what he does. He is full of trickery and misleading signs. I would not believe for a second the smile was genuine. That was how it may have ended. And let it go out on a good note. 
The kind smile is him planting the seed of him in your mind and that he meant good intentions. He wants you to think he somehow helped in your paralysis. I don't know. Hope this makes sense. I found that really interesting. So I had to share that as a part of the thread of comments. But that's Hatman. Interesting, right? He's very complex. He's a very complex, fashionable guy. Yeah. And I do think we just need to add a caveat at that point. These are anonymously submitted stories from online that we cannot question nor confirm. So take them for what they are. This is anecdotal evidence, but at the same time, horrifying nonetheless. Yeah, they really are. And especially that little gleam of hope that is immediately snatched from your mind at the very end. Hatman, mostly he, I guess. I mean, they said he. That's probably his pronoun. They did say he. Sorry if I offend you, hat man, with those pronouns. Please don't haunt me. But with that, we will move on away from the hat man and on to goats. Chelsea, I know you personally quite enjoy goats. I love goats. But do you not find them terrifying in certain features that they have? I mean, the hypnotoad eyes kind of creep me out. <laughs> yeah. But that's about it. They're adorable otherwise. Now, imagine you attach those creepy eyes, that lovable face, to the body of a human. No. That is something that, strangely enough, like dates all the way back to the Greeks and the Romans that talked about the pan, but is something still experienced to this day is a goat man-like creature. What? And today, oh, is it the face of a goat or the body of a goat? <laughs> the, body, the body of the goat and the face of a man, of course. I mean, I can't say that I find that that. I mean, it's creepy and unnatural, but. I think it would be just as cute as a regular goat. (laughs) So it's the head we find creepy. (laughs) But today I am going to focus on one particular myth, and that is the myth of the Pope Lick Monster, which sounds (gasps) a lot less terrifying in name than what it truly is. Do you say why it's named that? I do, yes. Okay, good. It is not because it once licked a pope. I Okay, I'm going to wait for the answer. Okay. And I've never heard of it before. I'm just going to get into it. I'm going to start reading this article okay. because it gets a good explanation right off the bat. Okay. In its simplest terms, the monster was described in the Encyclopedia of Louisville as a half-man, half-goat that has been rumored to live under the Norfolk Southern Railroad trestle across Popelick Creek and Southern Popelick Road near Fisherville and Eastern Jefferson County. Do they say what halves? Yes, the top half is goat. Bottom okay. half is also goat, actually. It just stands on two legs. It's a goat? And it, has, <laughs> it has human hands. And it, yeah, we'll get into why I think it has human hands. Okay. So stories of encounters have abounded for more than three generations and have served as a mood setter for multiple romantic encounters between teenage boys and girls, many involving tests of bravery that require climbing out onto the trestles. According to the legend, the creature hypnotizes trespassers into venturing out onto the trestle, thus luring them to their death before an oncoming train. Several people have been killed either on the trestles or by falling from it. Many more have been injured. Now, when we describe the Popelik monster, it is... Can I Google a picture of this? You cannot for... uh, There's not great pictures of it, but if you do... Google public monster, you'll find a picture of a half man, half goat. That is I'm just trying to decide whether I would be afraid of it or not. I mean, no matter what it's going to look like, I'm still going to ask what the fuck to myself. So he's described, he's described as being a large mysterious creature, like a very tall man said to be part goat, possibly part sheep, sometimes both. And is usually depicted as having ram horns. 
Various other parts of his body may look more human, with him having claw-like human hands or human chest, more like the goat version of a minotaur. Those who tell the story also say his body is deformed, with his skin deathly pale and his hair greasy and snarled. Now, Would this not be attributed to, like, satanic panic as well? We will get into that. Okay. Various overwrought descriptions have given the monster the grotesquely deformed body of a man, fur-covered goat legs, an alabaster face with aquiline nose, wide-set eyes, sharp horns protruding from his forehead, and long, greasy hair matching the fur on his legs. Other descriptions have him looking more like a sheep, with Sheep Man, the name being given to the beast. Either way, the creature is also said to be able to mimic familiar voices, luring people up onto the tracks. And if all else fails, he dispatches his victims with a rusty, bloody stained axe. Hmm. That's why I say he has more than likely human hands. Oh, because he can hold an axe? Hooves couldn't do that. No, they can't. All in all, a totally incongruous tale set in a still peaceful but rapidly developing area just a few hundred yards off of Taylorsville Road (gasps) and near where Popelik empties into Floyd's Fork. When viewed from a distance, a skinny, rusted, and still heavily used trestle seems inadequate for the job. Do you know what a trestle is? Like train tracks, right? Yeah, yeah, high up train tracks. Yeah, like a wooden, like up on a wooden bridge, essentially. Yeah, so this trestle, and I am going to show you pictures of it now, just so that you get Mm -hmm. an idea of the area we're talking about a little bit. And this is actually from Google Maps. He makes people go up there? So people go up there all the time and it is about a hundred feet in the air. And it is is, this a real live place trains go. Yeah. Isn't that illegal? Yeah. We're going to get into that, but very illegal. You're about a hundred feet in the air and it is about 800 feet across. If you're not looking at the photo that Chelsea and I are looking at, there is not enough room on this trestle for anybody to just kind of go off to the side if a train approaches. No, I mean, I wouldn't want to just go off to the side of a fast moving train either. It's literally just track on a high bridge. It's not, yeah, it's a train bridge. It's big enough. And also, I would like you to point your attention below the tracks. Trees. No, not even trees. There's not a lot of places, if he's living at this trestle, there's not a lot of places on the trestle for him to actually hide. No, he could not hide there. No. Well, we can talk about that as we go. Okay. But um, that's, I just wanted to point that out, that this is a very, it's a very high location. It's not someone in a costume is what you're saying. I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm just saying it'll set up what we're going to talk about. Okay. Just thinking this through. So why I bring that up at this point is because I wanted to talk about the actual dynamics of that. So when viewed from a distance, a skinny, rusted, and still heavily used trestle seems inadequate for the job. Built in the late 1800s, it rises 90 feet above Poplick Creek, and it spans the distance of 772 feet. Much of this is covered by fields, brush, and small trees. The trestle has no railings and no place to hide from the trains. Photos taken the top show the gleaming rails stretching off into the distance and with only a few feet of black brown railroad ties on each side. Then only space and an abrupt nine-story drop. Now, this is something I want to make mention of now. It's in this article. I can confirm I could not find anything either. No Mm. one, of course, has provided a specific account of seeing the beast. Actual sightings would only get in the way of the myth. Psychological studies 
tell us that such myths or urban legends are often rooted in some long forgotten basis. In fact, exaggerated stories are repeated so often that they begin to bear the patina of truth. The associated movies, plays, television shows, and websites cater to our primal needs to believe and to follow. Those needs in this instance became attached to a teenage rite of passage of facing up to the public monster, even walking across the trestle, particularly during Halloween, the act mm. activity became popular primarily among students with nearby Jefferson town, but other high schools and even local colleges were well represented and to quote longtime Fisherville resident, Martha Williams, there would be just mobs of kids out there near the trestles and climbing up on it. It used to be a favorite thing to do. The boys would con the girls into it. Most of the ones that came out here were not locals. The locals sort of knew better. And with regards to the trestle specifically, there have been four deaths in the time that the public monster is said to have lived there. By trains? Not all of them. In February 1987, Jack Charles Baum II, a 17-year-old Spalding University student, was struck and killed by a train while walking on the trestles. In May 1987, 19-year-old David Wayne Bryant died of injury suffered a year earlier when he jumped from the chestle to avoid getting hit by a train. In November 2000, Nicholas Jewell of Mount Washington, 19, died after falling from the trestle. Four friends who were there with him told police that Jewel had attempted to cross the trestle and was about halfway across when a freight train approached. Police said that Jewel had moved to the side and attempted to hold on to a railroad tie, but the train's vibration eventually shook him off. There was also an event in 2016. On April 23, 2016, a 26-year-old tourist from Ohio died after being hit by a train while searching for the monster. Her boyfriend survived by hanging onto the side of the trestle. And in May 26th of 2019, Savannah Bright, a 15-year-old, was pronounced dead at the scene after she and another teenage girl were on the train tracks near the public trestles. Bright's unidentified companion was taken to the University of Louisville Hospital. And the very interesting thing when you look at the public monster is it doesn't actually kill you itself. It either scares you into jumping off of the trestles or gets you hit by a train. But that's the legend. That no is one's the legend. actually claimed to see it. Yes. And I don't know. I just feel after looking at the train track. Yeah. If you're going out there on a night and it's dark, like the odds of you even falling off that in the first place are probably pretty high. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, it is a precarious place. It's narrow. In the late 1980s, the ongoing legend led to a 16-minute film called The Legend of Poplick Monster, which was shot at the trestles by Louisville native and independent film producer Ron Schildnecht. The movie, which quickly drew anger from parents and railroad officials, believing it would only draw more teenagers to the site, depicted a youth caught on the trestles hanging from a railroad tie to survive a physical impossibility. The Norfolk Southern Railroad also issued a statement read at the movie's premiere warning both of the trestles danger and that anyone caught on it 
would be prosecuted. Soon after the movie's debut at Louisville Uptown Theater and the deaths of the teenagers, police security increased. A tall chain link security fence was erected at the base of the trestle and danger, private property and keep off signs were put up. So now you can't actually, well, you still can get up there. I've seen photos of it, but the easiest ways up there are covered by eight foot tall chain and barbed wire fences. I would believe that. But according to urban legend, he does not only attack you from the top. Those who have attempted to drive beneath the trestle at the stroke of midnight have reported being chased by the bees who can run at speeds of nearly 60 miles per hour. And more than one report has claimed the loss of their car door handle or bloody claw prints <gasps> left on the car door after the pursuit. No. In the mid 1970s, rumors of satanic cult and demonic rituals mm. began circulating in the same area along Popelik Road. And reports of missing dogs, cats, and other domestic animals were suspected of falling prey to satanic blood ceremonies. A mysterious farm known as the Four Winds, down the street a few miles from the train trestles, was suspected of being owned by a group of Satanists who worshiped the Popelik monster as the living embodiment of Baphomet or the goat of Mendez. A mocking of the image of the lamb as the embodiment of Christ who died for the sins of humanity. The Four Winds farm was surrounded by a red and black painted fence through the 1980s into the 1990s with a sign at the front gate warning trespassers will be persecuted. Strange tribal drums beat and the chantings of mysterious figures were often heard in the woods behind the farm's barn. Another potential danger in the area is the group of angry farmers and residents who constantly suffer in fear of the monster's attacks on their livestock and families. Some of these residents should be considered armed and dangerous and might not take kindly to anything or anyone lurking about the area after dark. This came after the theory of Popelik Monster. Mm -hmm. I could not pin down when these theories came about. I do know the first mentions of the public monster are the 1970s. And okay. there are several different explanations as to what the public monster is. And that's what I want to get into now. Because I was just curious where I was going with it was I thought public monster sightings probably came coming in the 1970s is probably from like the satanic sat panic. Yeah, yeah, that was what I was do thinking. think the satanic panic drew from the stories that are about to come. But and I can't confirm like that the for public sure. monster inspired satanic yeah. cult rumors. Okay. And I should just confirm that if you do look for any police reports about those bloody law prints on cars, you won't find anything. Okay. Those are just urban legends as they are told. Okay. Well, that saves me some Googling police reports yeah. for the public monster. Yeah. There you go. So where did the public monster come from? The most popular origin legend of this goat man is that supposedly there was a man called Colonel Beauregard Schildnacht who was the ringmaster of a rather twisted traveling circus. And he was not known as a kind or decent man and was instead a liar, a cheat, and he mistreated his performers. He ran his circus more like a gang and thefts followed their shows wherever it went. Oh my God. His main motivation in life above all else was money. And he was always searching for a new scam in order to get it. One day the circus passed Beltsville, Maryland, and he came across a poor, deformed child who appeared to be half man and half goat. He took the creature with him, displaying it in a freak show in order to make money. 
The child began to grow up, getting larger and stronger, and the colonel imprisoned the poor creature in a cage, where he was beaten, underfed, and mistreated his whole life. And the monster's hatred for mankind began to grow with every additional offense, and he began plotting an escape. And that would happen at a time when there was a train accident at the Popelik Trestle. He escaped there and still lives there to this day. The traveling circus one is always an interesting one. It's not the first time that this has come up in our no, episodes. No, that one comes up a lot. Yeah, traveling circuses. You know, I haven't looked a whole lot into traveling circuses. And I don't think those people were nice people. No. The next story that comes up quite a bit is that he is a reincarnated form of a farmer who used to sacrifice goats to Satan in order to get supernatural powers. From this, Satan twisted his wishes and returned him to Earth in the form of a half-man, half-goat spirit. This particular legend gained attention from some satanic worshippers, and there were rumors that in the mid-1970s, a satanic cult began doing demonic rituals in the Popelik Road area. Cats and dogs began to disappear, and it seems they were being used in blood rituals on the mysterious Four Winds Farm. This farm was just a short distance from the train trestles, and the Satanists who gathered there were supposedly worshipping the Popelik monster, believing he was the embodiment of Bathomet, also known as the Goat of Mendez. And lastly, what might he be... This one is probably the least scariest of the answers. And that is that there was a farmer that got intimate with one of his goats in a sexual way. And the goat somehow gave birth to a child. This is, the I mean, child. that's still creepy. It is, but it's the most non-demonic version of it. Also, and also I least possible. Google go to Mendez. Don't do that. I don't like it. Yeah, no, it's not good. All but of them creepy answers. More- yeah, those are kind of the big three answers to what the goat monster is or the Popelik monster is. And a few more things that you should know. Okay. First and foremost, rather than kidnapping children or attacking people from trees as other violent cryptids supposedly do, the Popelik goat man or Popelik monster is much more clever. Reports say that he likes to lure people onto train tracks or under the bridge into the shadows with his voice. Depending on who you ask, this is either done by hypnosis or some sort of siren call. If he calls you into the shadows, you will simply vanish as he leaps on you from the bridge above. More often, this sound will make you ignore the danger of the live train tracks and venture onto them without a care in the world. Once there, it will be too late for you and the train will run you down. The goat man doesn't even have to bloody his own hands in order to claim his victims. He really doesn't. It's almost like he didn't even exist. And the other part here... Or finally enough, the Goatman seems to have some form of psychic ability, according to some tales. It likes to play mind games. The reason we know this is because in order to lure you to your doom, it will sometimes mimic people you know. It will shout out to you, sounding like a dear friend. And you, ever trustingly, will simply follow it. It can even call out your name. Even if it's not calling out to you as a friend or loved one, it will still know intimate details or yell other intimate noises. It may sound like a cat or even a crying baby. The public monster is willing to do whatever it takes to convince you to wander out onto the deadly bridge or below into its clutches. And if the train doesn't get you, the Goatman still seems to have this way of killing you. Some accounts say that people jump from the bridge not because a train is coming, but because they spot the monster coming for them. Sight of this is apparently so terrifying that you can't help but jump to your death. But it seems like everybody that died was jumping from a train. Yes. Other accounts say he's not afraid to use a weapon. Some people say that he carries around a blood-stained axe. 
which he uses to attack those on the bridge or even just vehicles that pass underneath. There are no reports of anyone ever dying due to an axe attack. However, so it seems that hypnosis is his go-to technique or physical violence, and the only creatures he's ever been known to mutilate are the farm animals in the local area. Mm -hmm. So that is the Poplic Monster. I was very excited to do this research until I found out that there's really no first-hand accounts of the Poplic Monster. Mm -hmm. But of course, that is because he is psychic and hypnotic. Yeah. Like the hypnotoad. I, I was just going to say, like, goats have hypnotoad eyes. But I have to say, while you're talking, I googled Poplic Monster. And the renditions that you get on Google are, I'm going to say, literally nothing like the picture that I pictured in my head from what you explained. Like, this is a goat head with a human body, but still covered in goat fur. I don't know how else to explain this. Yeah, it's like the Minotaur. Like, it is a goat with just some human characteristics. Yeah, like human body, goat head, goat fur. Which, I don't know, what I was picturing, I don't know, it was just much creepier. And I don't know what I was picturing. <laughs> just something with a goat face, I guess. Hypnotoad. I don't know how I feel about that. And, funny enough, like I said at the beginning, there are many renditions of Goatman hybrid monsters throughout civilization. Yes. And this is not even the only one in the United States. There really? are at least two other notable Goatman monsters in the United States I can mention right now. Okay. One of them is the Maryland Goatman, which has, funny enough, been photographed. It is considered the Maryland Bigfoot because it gets seen so often. This is a picture? That's a picture. Somebody did take it, for sure. He said he was golfing and saw it in the woods. Not sure about this. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought it would share it because it is one of the most credible photos of a goat man I could find. You're going to have to send, save that and send it to me first. Yes, I will. Media. And of course, there is the mysterious Lake Worth monster, big goat man. And in fact, Texas has two goat men, one of them at Lake Worth and the other one. I can't quite remember where it is, but I'm going to click on this photo and it will tell me where. It is the Greer Island Goatman, and this is this a, is a real picture. This is a photo of the Greer Island Goatman. Okay, this looks like which a looks. If you're going to describe dog. it as anything, it is definitely a sheep man for sure. In yeah. this one, Almost but looks after like a sheep dog. yeah, after reading it, I definitely found that this one is a much more credible account, and we will we will cover the Lake Worth Goat Monster at a later date. I'm glad we did the less credible account. Yeah. <laughs> But don't let us, <laughs> don't let the credibility of this case scare you any less. For again, the veil between the worlds is at its thinnest right now. So please don't think too hard and let it tulpa into our world. And don't go looking for the Poplic monster. Mm. And don't Based go chasing waterfalls. He's not there. Okay. For waterfalls. And this is, hey, look at that. It's the Poplic monster. I know. I saw that. That that's, guy is That's cute. the least scary of all. That model goat? That goat striking a model pose? That's oh, this one? That I saw. Yeah, him. Yeah. They all are. Why are goats so popular, I wonder, as monsters? I think it's the eyes. I mean, what I was picturing for the Poplic monster, I would have been this very one? scared of. <laughs> that's Phil. <laughs> I was just picturing like a guy in a business suit with like a goat head. Oh, yeah. He does not wear a business suit. And yeah. That's disturbing. Like just a human going about his day with a goat head. 
Yeah, these are pretty satanic. But with that, that is our Halloween creature feature. I think we'll do one next year as well. I, I kind of like this idea of the last episode before Halloween doing a creature feature. Yeah. If you have seen a goat man like creature in your own life, please let us know. Or hat if man. you have seen this goat with the number three genetically embroidered on its side, please let us know. Because <laughs> it's on the official NASCAR website. Okay. You have to send that to me for social media too. <laughs> it was a goat built for speed. With the three, that makes it speedy. Yeah. Or if you've seen anything, really, you can let us know. Journey to a the French at gmail.com. Or a, a shadow. shadow that is more fashionable. For the meantime, I have been Taylor. I have been Chelsea. And we have been Journey to the Fringe. Thank you for stopping by on this spookiest of days. Yeah. And we will see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes, or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Uh.